today we have before us a chapter that's filled with one example after another of people who didn't have the privilege and the sacrifice at Calvary yet to, to go by, and yet they banked on God's Word. Chapter 11. They banked on God's Word before the cross and before the sacrifice was at Calvary was complete. And so it was counted to them for righteousness. That's what this chapter tells us. God valued in them their confidence and their faith, the faith that they transferred into what God had showed them to do. And in each of their lives, it differed what God uh, asked of them. Okay, so let's just start out with, because here we see how people applied God's instructions and word into their daily living. They were everyday kind of people like you and me. They weren't some kind of, we have sometimes a little bit of a distorted idea that some of the stories of the people that we read about, they were really something special out of this world, superhero kind of. No, that's not true. When we read the whole story, we always see that they were flawed and they were struggling just like you and I struggle. And they just believed what God said he was going to do, that he was going to do it. And we have that same choice and that same opportunity daily to believe that what God has said is going to come to pass in our lives. So this is just an encouragement to us to persevere. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And that's how we obtain a good report, same way. Okay, by believing. The faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we believe, when we believe that the chair is able to hold us, we sit on it. If you have a chair and you admire it and you say, this is a really unique chair, this is a really beautiful chair, I love this chair, I paid a lot of money for this chair, I think this is the best chair in all the world, but you never sit on it, it doesn't exemplify that you believe that it actually can hold you, right? You have a doubt. So there you go, okay? It's useless, bottom line, right? And that's not what God is looking for in our hearts and lives when it comes to faith. We actually sit on the chair. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, that's just a little illustration for us to kind of wrap our brains around it. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. I, I say that because there, there, there seems to me that there's people that, that kind of um, view faith as some, like... Um, separate thing that's going to come like floating into their heart one day and if they get a lot of it then maybe they'll be able to that's not how it works faith is action we hear and and understand god's word and we say oh i have to do something differently i have to do this and we do it and that's that that's that exhibits that we actually have faith because we believe what we hear god speaking to us and act upon it and that's what these people did Okay? Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. There we have it. This is a premise of all that we have been talking about in this whole study. That all things were created by the Word of God and the Word of His power. Framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen 
were not made of things which do appear. God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? When we go to create something or make something, if you want to make a bake a uh, cake or build a console for an organ or whatever, whatever you want to make, you start with ingredients, don't you? You start with things that you can see. You start with things that are already in existence to, to bring that into, into being. But God, different from us, started with nothing and spoke the world into existence. Let there be light, and there was. Wow. That's different than going and getting a bunch of planks and, and saws and nails and, and banging it together, right? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. All right, so there we have the uh, story of Cain and Abel. And God had instructed them, some people don't understand this, had instructed them on how to, what, what sacrifice to, to bring. And Cain just disregarded that and brought his fruits and vegetables, where Abel brought a lamb. And there had to be shedding of blood. And that was already established way back there. And so Cain's uh, fruits and vegetables were rejected, not because they were, they were inferior, but because it wasn't on God's, it wasn't the way God said it was to be. And this is another thing that we always have to remember, that God has laid out for us some clear instructions. And it's, and, and it behooves us to follow them. And, and He does expect that. And, um, so. All right, there we go. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And here we see that Enoch was a man of faith and apparently God just said to him one night, come on, Enoch, come home with me instead of going home to your own house. And Enoch just was translated. So... Again, it came out of the relationship of believing in God, because that's what's telling us here. And then it tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That takes some believing on our part, doesn't it? We don't see God every day walking physically in our midst, do we? I mean, that's just the way it is, and so we have to believe it, and we we do see evidence of him walking in our lives every day. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Of course, you look at just living in this area and looking at the beauty that surrounds us day by day is evidence enough of, of our, our amazing God. But then also the work that he does in our hearts and lives, the way he answers our prayers, the, the transformation that's taken place when we invited him to come into our hearts and and all, there's just so much, of course, right? But we see clearly, and but it takes faith. It takes that, it takes faith to believe because, again, we don't see him physically in, in our midst continually. Okay. Must believe that he is, and that is the, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means that we believe that God is who he said he is, and that when he says, I will do thus and so, when you do this, that we, we bank on it. We, we believe that. We live on it. We, we live in a way that demonstrates, I believe you, God. You said you are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And so 
I'm banking on that. I, I live on that. And when we decide that that's truth, and we're going to embrace that truth, God does. He provides. He finds a way to provide. Sometimes totally miraculously, out of the ordinary. We have got to make those decisions, and that's where our faith comes in. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Think about Noah for a minute. I mean, really, whew, what a story. I mean, it hadn't rained up uh, up to that time. It wasn't like now. The, the, the earth was watered at night by a strong mist, they tell us. And God comes and says, build a big, humongous, I mean, humongous boat, okay? Yeah, really. And it tells them the size and the dimensions and everything. This is one of the most mind-boggling stories to me in the Bible. <laughs> a floating boat with with all those animals in it, stinking and pooping and everything. I just, it's mind-boggling. I always say I want to meet Mrs. Noah in heaven one day because I got a lot of respect for her. But uh, <laughs> this was not... <laughs> This was not like a normal request, okay? This was not your like ordinary every one of the day mill like, oh, you know, would you do this for me today? I mean, this took an amazing amount of he knew he had heard from God kind of faith and and belief. And it took him a long time. It took him years and years, and everybody was saying, Ooh, Noah, he's he lost it. <laughs> Been building that boat for a hundred years. <laughs> I don't know where he's going to float it, but <laughs> it was craziness by man's standards. But Noah knew that God, what well, God had spoken to him, and he banked on it. Whew, I'm telling you, this is heavy. This is this is amazing stuff because you know sometimes God speaks to us and we're very sure, and it, by all natural standards. It doesn't make any human sense. We have to know. When we know that we know, that's what he did. And you know what happened. You know the story. There came a day where God shut the door with all the animals and Noah inside. And don't you think Noah would have opened the door for his neighbors if they had come banging on it and said, Noah, we're sorry, we're sorry, let us in, let us in. Sure, he would have opened the door, but he couldn't because God had shut it. He couldn't open it. God had shut the door. It wasn't up to Noah. And there you go. The whole world flooded and only his his family preserved. Wow, he was pretty glad that he had banked on God's instructions, wasn't he? See, we're never sorry when we bank our life on God's instructions to us. We're going to go on to Abraham and Sarah, right? By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Wow, there we go again. Faith caused obedience. His faith caused him to obey. God said, okay, Abraham, I want you to leave your home and just go. <laughs> Whew, okay, Lord, um, direction would be nice. North, south, east, west. <laughs> yeah. These people have just banked their lives on, on God speaking to them. I have in my margin written, for, by Abel and Cain, faith makes death a path to life because, of course, Cain killed Abel, but it said that by he being dead, he yet speaks. His blood cried out to the Lord. 
And then uh, by Enoch, faith conquers death. And Noah, faith save, uh, saves others from death. Faith, um, Noah's, Noah's obedience preserved mankind, right? Clearly. Um, he could have been wiped off too, but it saved others from death. And, and the, the story of Noah and the ark is a, is a symbolic story to us of salvation and the ark of safety of, of, um, that, that we have a, a way of escape. Craziness. Unfortunately, you're right. That's true. There is. There's a lot of familiar spirits in our world and, yes, and people who have led others astray into death. Um, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, as they say, because, again, they don't know the Word. And they don't know God. And that's right. The Word of God keeps you from, from going that way. Absolutely. And, I mean, these people didn't have all of that, but it was di- a little different for them because God would either, like in Abraham's case, God God showed up in the form of angels and actually spoke spoke with them and right. And so there was a point of... Um, contact that was really, you know, defined, right, really defined. So, um, but we are right, we do, we have to be careful because we have a lot of, and, and the Bible tells us that, in, in, that that's going to happen, that there's a lot of, a lot of people saying, thus saith the Lord, and, you know, uh, God wants this, and God wants that, and God wants the other thing. And again, we don't know the word of God. We could easily be deceived. It says even the elect could be deceived, and so we need to we need to go by the word. That's right. That's right. Exactly. You got to stay in the word. Okay. All right. Talking, going back to Abraham in verse nine. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. You have to under, when you have to understand this a little bit. You know. In those days, people didn't just travel like we do today. I mean, you know, today travel is like no big deal, but not back here. They settled down, they added on, they had a son, and son built on, they added on, and you know, it was like a like a tribe. You know, after a while, there they didn't pack up and and travel. That that was, and if they if if anybody traveled, uh, it was a couple of them, and it was the men. It wasn't all the women and children and everything. So, you know, to caravan in those days was a major, major undertaking. So, anyway, just to say, he sojourned in the land, and he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And that tells us that he believed that that there was a heavenly home. Somehow, God had communicated to him that there was a heavenly home that he was on his way to, and he believed this God. He believed it. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And then, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, if you only read the Old Testament, you would think that all that Sarah did was laugh and say, huh, how could this be? But here, the New Testament tells us that she judged him faithful who had promised. That she believed also. You see what I'm saying? It was a joint between the two of them. They believed that what God had said was going to be fulfilled in their lives. Again, they were past childbearing age. There was no earthly reason why this should happen. But except that God said it and they believed it. 
Well, there we go. It was cause for, it, that's exactly what happened. That's what, it, Isaac means laughter. It caused laughter because it was, it was humorous. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. This is what God was trying to show, who he was, that he, irregardless of the human limitations, he was God, and he could, he could produce, <coughs> he could give to Abraham and Sarah seed like the stars of heaven, even though they were past childbearing years, and he could, he could give them that son. And so, was an example. Was it faith brings forth life? Therefore, sprang there even of one of him as good as dead. Okay, and and, and he, he had promised Abraham, "Come out, look at the stars, look at the sand. Your descendants are going to be well." It's true, isn't it? It's true. He couldn't see it then. And you know, sometimes we know God's spoken to us and promised us something, and yet we don't see it, the fulfillment yet. And there's that perseverance of faith where we have to say, okay, God, but I know that I know that I know that this is what you said. That's right. I don't see the result yet, but I know it's coming. And I'm going to start thanking you. There's another piece that I often tell you is in our praying is when we've prayed and God's spoken and we believe him, we have to start thanking him and saying, thank you. Thank you, Lord. The answer's on the way. Thank you for the fulfillment of that promise. Thank you for that. Instead of whining and, um, you know, yeah, begging, groveling, whatever you want to call it. Just that confidence of, thank you, Father. Thank you. I know those answers are on the way. I know that you've heard me. Thank you. I'm, I can't wait till, till, those, till that answer comes. Thank you, Father. And as we do that, it opens the way for the fulfillment of all that God has promised. Amen. Amen. We do. And that's the power, power of our... We have that choice. And that's what this whole um, series shows us. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, that means of the Messiah, of the Savior, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Again, somehow God communicated to them that there was a heavenly home. There was something beyond this life to, to bank on, to work for, to, to be convinced of. And they believed what God had, had, had said to them. And they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And that's what our living needs to do. Our living without our speaking needs to shout to the world that God is alive and well and we're on our way home to live with him. And when our living says that without our speaking saying it, then people start to listen to our words. Did you understand that? When our living is shouting out, God is alive and real and I believe in him, then people will start to listen to our words. If all we're doing is spewing out words all the time and clubbing people with the word, and we're, driving, we're typically driving them away. And we need to sometimes shut up and live it. Live it. Let the beauty of our God be seen in our living. Live it out. And when we're living it out, then our words, when we do speak, when we do have the opportunity, people will listen because it's backed up by the life that we live. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. 
so there we see that, you know, if they had continually been looking back and saying, oh, you know, whatever, hanging on to this world. And somebody once said, if you hang on to a pin, it'll stick you. <laughs> we have to be letting go of this world and not be hanging on to it. It's not what we're living for. We're not living for this world. We're living for the heavenly home. That's our goal. And really, when somebody makes it home, it should be a celebration instead of a pity uh, mourning party. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know we grieve for ourselves, but really, it's, it should be a celebration when a person makes it home. And we should say, hallelujah, they made it. They fought the fight. They lived their life for God, and they made it home. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Faith expects the impossible. And he had received the promises, offered up his... You know, here, God tested Abraham. God tested him at this point. Here, here he has the son of promise in his old age. That was miracle number one. Now he's like 17 years old or so. And, and God says, oh, well, by the way, Abraham, I want you to take your son up to the mountain and sacrifice him on the altar. We don't have any record of, God, of Abraham going, huh? Would you say, God, you want to run that by me again? Abraham said, oh, okay, come on, Isaac, let's go. We're good. We're good. Wow. By this time, Abraham had grown in his knowledge of God to such a point that when God tests him in this way, he doesn't argue with God. He doesn't question God. He just says, okay, come on, whatever. God will God'll bring Isaac to life again if... Um, Need be, whatever, whatever you, and you know, that's the consecration. That's the consecration God is looking for in our lives. So whatever you ask, consider it done. I'm, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to tell you I got a better plan. I'm going to, I'm going to submit. I'm going to surrender myself to you 100%. That's what God is looking for in all of us. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And we know, of course, God didn't allow him to kill him, and he had provided a ram in the thicket. And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Faith has a future. Isaac told them, you know, Isaac blessed them, and Isaac, um, he wrestled with God. Remember how he, how he, uh, no, it was Jacob who wrestled with God. I'm sorry, Jacob wrestled with God. And by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. He didn't want his bones left in Egypt. He wanted his bones in the promised land. He had faith. He had faith. He had a, you know, he, he believed God and he wanted to be, this, this is just interesting. Um, you know, the Egyptians burned their, burned their dead, but he had faith concerning his bones. He wanted his bones placed out in in the, in the promised land. So, mm-hmm. Amen. They did. You remember, if you read the story, they, they, they took his bones with them when they went. And by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. Faith produces courage. They had no earthly reason to do this. The king's commandment was that every boy baby was to be killed and... Yet, when Moses was born, they believed that he was given from God to be a deliverer. That's the faith they had. 
And so they defied the king's commandment. And they found a way to hide this baby. Now it's not so easy to hide a baby, as you know. And yet, and God gave them wisdom, didn't he? God gave that mother wisdom, and you know the story. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith grows character. He could have stayed in that palace and and played the part and and lived in, in a, a life of comfort and and ease. Yet in his in his heart, he knew he was not. That was not his home. That he had a purpose and God had a plan. And choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So there we see that he knew also that there was a God and that, that you know, somehow Jochebed had instilled in him in those years that he, she, she had him to train him up, she instilled some faith in him because this was in him. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He forsook Egypt. You know, when we read the story, we say, oh, he ran away because he was afraid. But because here he didn't, he wasn't afraid. <laughs> not fearing the wrath of the king. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. This man needed an enormous amount of faith to lead however many million people out of luxurious Egypt into a barren wilderness. It, it took an enormous, enormous amount of faith in a God that he had to know was real. If he hadn't known God was real, there is no way in this world anybody could ever, would ever attempt to do such an insane thing. Think about it. There was no Walmarts out there. There were no convenience stores. There were no cell phones. There were no helicopters to bring in emergency supplies. He's leading, they say it could have been up to two million people, out into a barren wilderness, banking on God and God alone. And was God faithful? He was faithful. He was trustworthy. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry lands, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they compassed them about seven days. Now that's jumping over a whole big period of time where Moses had to live out that faith day by day by day by day. Sometimes they wanted to stone him. Sometimes they uh, they were revolting. They, they were doing all kinds of all kinds of stuff. The, the people that he was leading, but Moses had settled it. And he knew that he knew that he knew that God, I am, had, had sent him. And that, the, that God was with him. Without that knowledge, he'd have never made it. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. You know, Joshua, he had to, that faith had to be transferred into Joshua, where now he took them to the next level after 40 years, where they crossed the Jordan River and they had to go into the promised land. You know, we think promised land, oh, no problem, better ease, drink milk and milk and honey and grapes falling off the trees and but guess what? There were enemies there, weren't there? They had to fight for that the, the promised land. And we forget that. We forget that. We have a fight on our hands continually, even though we live after the cross, have accepted Christ into our lives. 
and have the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us. It's to empower us for the fight so that we can claim all the territory that God would like us to conquer in our own hearts and lives as well as in the world around us. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And she believed their word also. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped to the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight in fight. There you have it. They all had a fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. What a list. What a list. So where does this mentality come that you come to the Lord and everything's just rosy? That's not what this list is saying, is it? Did you did you hear that in there? It's quite a list, isn't it? They were stones. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wormed it about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Uh, again, um, I'm missing it, but I don't see the better roses concept there either. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise of the Savior, of the Messiah. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So they laid hold of the promise of God that the Messiah was coming and that there was a heavenly home prepared for them if they would bank their life on God's word and his promises. How much more? That's what Hebrews is saying to us. Okay, guys, look at it. If these guys could do this, now Jesus has paid the price. Now we have the full, uh, we have the access with boldness. We have the, the whole enchilada, however you want to say it. We, we, we have it. It's better. How much more should we fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life and do what God has called us to do and believe him no matter what it is that he calls us to do. And so may God use this to stir our hearts that we will live by the word of his power and not draw back. He says, if any soul draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And we are not of those who draw back, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which always guides and instructs us. Powerfully challenges us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life and to be uh, found worthy to stand before you in white as these who have, we have been looking at today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.